so hello everyone listening to my podcast i basically um decided to call this woc um, meaning woman of color and this series and podcast will go over the maternal mortality rates that has recently increased in women of color um i have um, a range of women of color and different ages to discuss their personal experiences and opinions on um, pregnancy and birthing as women of color. So today I have Stephanie Etienne. She is a midwife. Thank you, Stephanie, for coming today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Okay. Um, so we're just going to hop in. Um, so before we go into the whole maternal mortality and just pregnancy itself, could you um, explain for those interested the steps on how to become a midwife? Sure. Um, so there are many different um, routes to becoming a midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll talk about the way I did it um, first, and then I can talk about a few of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so I... Um, didn't study nursing to begin with. I went to college and um, then I ended up uh, getting a graduate degree in public health. And um, it was only after that that I decided that I wanted to become a midwife. So I um, went back to school to become a nurse. Um, I did like an accelerated nursing program and then then I, I did a master's level degree in midwifery so um so that i went through nursing to get Mm -hmm. to midwifery um there are uh people who go into midwifery directly where they take um a certain number of prerequisite classes um in terms of like mostly science and um you know anatomy physiology pathophysiology microbiology they take um, a number of those classes to meet the requirements for direct entry, uh, uh, a direct entry midwifery program. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there are folks who become midwives without being nurses, um, and then there are people who become midwives um, through an apprenticeship model, and those folks are called um, certified professional midwives, and they are. Um, they basically uh, also take background courses. They also study midwifery, but the main um, kind of uh, way that they learn is through apprenticing with another, um, a, an established midwife. Um, oh, okay. And so that's how they learn. They do um, a lot of one-on-one education with um, their mentors. Um, most CPMs will, um, uh, usually end up going into home birth midwifery. Um, so that's kind of their area. And then even beyond that, there are um, licensed midwives in some states, which is similar to the CPMs. Um, there are uh, kind of traditional midwives who may not go to um, uh, kind of a recognized um, uh education program, like an institutional education program, but they will um, study for many years with um, a midwife in their community. And that's how they learn midwifery through solely through apprenticeship, not through um, institutional um, education. So there's a lot of different ways to become a midwife. 
Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> um, so you as a midwife, what exactly um, does that entail? Like on a daily basis, what do you do for your job? Okay. So um, I've done um, a lot of different things as a midwife. Um, when I first uh, became a midwife, I went to work. Uh, my first job was at a, um, a busy uh, and large uh, city uh, hospital in New York. And in that in that job, I um, would see clients, uh, patients, um, both in the clinic and at the hospital. So um, in the clinics, I would see people for um, their OBGYN visits. So if somebody found out that they were pregnant, they would start seeing me, for instance, to you know make sure that they were staying healthy in their pregnancy. I would make sure that. Um, they were getting, you know, all the right um, blood tests and um, and sonograms and things like that, checking on them on a regular basis. So I would do those visits for um, pregnant patients. And then for people who um, weren't pregnant, I was also seeing people for their kind of annual um, GYN visits. And I was also um, treating people for things like um, STDs or, you know, wow. helping people get on birth control. Um, so yeah, midwifery is very, as a very, um, there's really involved. Of, yeah, yeah. There's lots of things that you can do as a midwife. There are midwives who don't ever work in birth. Um, I know lots of midwives who, you know, they got their midwifery degree and they went directly into um, clinical work doing GYN care. I know midwives who work, have only worked at places like Planned Parenthood. Um, so birth is just one thing that you can do. Um, and, and, and at that job, so, you know, three days a week, for example, I would work at the clinic where I would be seeing patients who were pregnant, patients who are there for their GYN questions. And then two days of that week, I would spend on the hospital unit um, helping people have their babies. Um, mm -hmm. So I would get to see births and support births. And then I would also um, kind of be with people in the clinic setting as well. Yeah. And uh, so that so that was my, my first job. And then I had a, another job that was pretty similar to that, um, uh, where I would do kind of a mix of both things. Um, and uh, now the work that I do is not very clinical at all. I am doing a lot of education in the community. I do a lot of childbirth education. I do a lot of um, uh, supporting people who are planning to get pregnant, uh, people who are having fertility concerns. I do a lot of education around, um, you know, what you need to know in order to have a healthy pregnancy. Um, I support people after they've had their babies with postpartum support and lactation support. So now my work is, is um, really focused on education and, and, and support versus clinical care. That's amazing. I think like kind of just broke the stereotype because I think a lot of people imagine um, being a midwife is just birthing at home. So it's very... Mm -hmm interesting to hear that it's a lot more than just that so yeah. thank you um so i have a few questions that i have um made on my own but i did open up to instagram and there was a few girls 
that had a few questions. So um, when I say public, those are the questions that they have asked. Um, So I'm going to start with this one. Would you say a C-section is um, safer than natural birth? Well, uh, my answer to that is no, but um, I would also kind of um, add some, I would, you know, respond to that by saying that um, the idea of natural birth is, it could be, that could be a lot of different things. You know, do you mean natural, meaning like you don't have any medications when you give birth? Do you, are you saying natural when you're just sort of meaning a vaginal birth instead of a C-section? You know, there's, you know, it, you yeah. can look at it in a lot of different ways. Um, so if we think about it, um, our we are biologically you know if we identify as women and we have um, a uterus and we have a vaginal canal like we are kind of biologically set up to birth our babies in that way right Mm -hmm. Um, our bodies can respond to uh, contractions our bodies can create space for babies to come out that way Um, so if everything is working according to plan you can have your baby vaginally and it is going to be far less um, complicated than going in for major abdominal surgery, which is yeah. what a C-section is, right? Mm-hmm. A C-section is no walk in the park. Like it's yeah. a it's a major surgery. You have to, you don't end up going completely under with a C-section. Like you can have, a, it's like a partial anesthesia, yeah. um, but it is major surgery. It can be quite painful the recovery it's a much longer recovery process there are you know much more risks involved with c-sections so no i don't think that c-section is better but i do think that there are um circumstances when a c-section is really necessary yes. um, and and thankfully we live in a world where that's an option you know a hundred years ago if someone needed a c-section um, maybe more than a hundred years ago, but you know, a long time ago, if someone needed, a, if someone was having a complicated birth process and they were having some sort of emergency, they might not survive if they couldn't get a C-section, right? Yeah. Um, so, so it is. It's a life-saving measure, um, but it's not. It's not the thing that we should all be aiming for. Um, yeah, it shouldn't be the first ha- choice. Exactly. I think okay. surgery in general shouldn't be the first choice because mm-hmm. surgery comes with a lot of risks. Risk. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And so this is a public question. Um, huh. She asked, why are home births taboo? Um, she feels as if women of color um, should be more accepted to home births. Hmm. That's a really good question. That's a great question. Um, I think, I mean, I think home births are taboo in, in certain communities. I don't know that that's like universally true. Um, in some cultures, home births are still seen as a very, um, you know, a very natural option. It's something that most women will do. Um, if they are healthy, if they, you know, don't have any complications in their pregnancy, Uh, there are lots of cultures in the world where people expect to give birth at home. Um, I think in this country, in the U.S., um, that idea of giving birth at home um, really shifted, um, you know, many years ago, where, you know, you had the majority of women would give birth at home and only a small handful of women who were 
you know, really um, struggling with something or had complications or were sick, they would end up being the ones who would give birth in the hospitals. Mm -hmm. And that was the way things were, Um, you know, kind of back in the day, everybody gave birth at home. Um, And then as um, I think doctors started to gain more influence over the birth process, because also when people were giving birth at home, they were giving birth with midwives. Midwives were there catching the babies Mm -hmm. um, and taking care of women and babies at home. But as doctors began to kind of control the um, birth process more, they wanted to bring women into the hospital so that they could be in charge of the births. Mm-hmm. And when, when women came into the hospitals, the midwives didn't really come with them. They, the midwives kind of stayed outside of the hospitals and the, and the women came into the hospital. So the doctors started taking care of the women more. And, um, and so the idea of home birth was sort of seen as like, oh, that's, um, you know, like that's old school or that's, yeah. you know, that's the old way of doing things. Like the more modern way to do things is to have birth in the hospital um, with all of these sort of, you know, fancy gadgets and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, be in this hospital setting. They, they also made it seem like it was the safer way to give birth. Um, but now we know that um, that's not really true. The United States has some of the kind of worst statistics when it comes to maternal mortality mm-hmm. um, and infant mortality, like to be, you know, one of the richest countries in the world, we have, we have very, very poor, um, you know, maternal mortality outcomes. Um, and that's, you know, that, that just goes to show that you could have all the, you know, kind of, um, you know, s- scientific advancement in the world, but if you're not doing the right thing for the right, you know, the right thing for that person in front of you, you know, all the machines and all the gadgets are not going to help that person. What's really going to help that person is you taking the time to understand what they need um, and making sure that you're taking good care of them and that you're listening to them um, and that you're respecting them. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the question is, you know, why, why home birth is taboo? I think it's like a lot of things. It's like, there's a whole system that kind of that kind of works against home birth because you know at some point they thought it would be more profitable to bring birth into the hospitals Mm -hmm. and once they did that they kind of took took that you know kind of control away from the midwives and so they you know it also benefited them to say oh home birth is so like dangerous you can't you can't do a home birth you know Mm -hmm. and sometimes it was true sometimes it was true that you know someone who is you know having complications someone who has real problems in their pregnancy maybe they shouldn't be giving birth at home but the vast majority of people who are healthy um, are not having any complications we know that their babies are healthy home birth should be a viable option for them right and um, I think that perfectly leads to our next question because now that women of color are realizing that maybe birth in the hospital isn't the best choice or it's a lot riskier compared to um, um, birthing at home would you say Mm -hmm. that um, do you see more women of color coming to midwives and having birth Um, Do you see, is there a balance between Caucasian and women of color going to midwives? Yeah, I mean, I think there, I think uh, particularly uh, during the pandemic, when people were pregnant, you know, 
you know, before the pandemic, they had this vision of, okay, I, I know I'm going to give birth at the hospital and my partner's going to be there. My family's going to be there. Um, maybe I'll have, you know, the support of a doula or something. I'm just going to have my whole team is going to be present with me when I give birth. And then the pandemic hit and people were being told, not only can you not have a bunch of visitors there, but you you can only have one person there with you. Like you can't even have your partner and a doula, you know, you're only going to have one person with you. Um, and if that person, you know, if there's any suspicion that that person is sick, that person will be able to be there with you at all. So yeah. you had instances where women were giving birth by themselves in the hospital, like literally nobody with them, um, which is terrifying. And it's not the way that people should have to, you know, give birth to their babies. This is supposed to be the happiest moment in your life and you don't even have your family near you to share it with. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think people, because of that, um, I think a lot of people started looking at home birth as like a real option. Like I'm healthy, I'm everything's been fine with my pregnancy. I wanna be able to give birth with my family near me. I don't wanna be by myself. So yeah, people started thinking a lot about home birth. Um, and then in terms of, you know, um, seeing more black women or women of color um, turning to home birth. I think that there's always been home birth in our communities. I think um, so many of us um, have people in our families who can tell us stories about, you know, their, you know, mothers or their grandmothers or their great aunts who um, had home births. So those stories are there. I think sometimes we um, don't really focus on those things. And so we think it's sort of like home birth is like this new fancy idea, but mm -hmm. it's not. And it's been in our communities for a long time. Um, you know, especially for folks who, um, whose families come from the South or whose families come from other countries like, you know, the Caribbean or, you know, different parts of Africa, like people in the diaspora, we know about home birth because that's how most of our ancestors gave birth. You know, they didn't have their babies in hospitals. They had their babies at home and midwives were a part of their communities. So, you know, maybe we don't know that in our generations in our younger generations, but just, you know, a few generations back, we've all heard home birth stories. Right. So it's just a matter of like reconnecting to something that we already know how to do. Right. Yeah. So um, being since that you have um, worked in both hospitals and at home, um, what do you think is the most important um, terms in at home birth and hospitalization birth? The most important terms? Yeah. So um, what do you think is required in both um, at-home birth and hospitalization birth? Oh, uh, okay, okay. Important. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I think with, I would say this is true for anyone who's giving birth, anyone who's planning to give birth, um, you know, vaginally, they're not planning a scheduled C-section. They want to be, you know, they want their birth to be as sort of, when I don't really love to use the word natural because I think, um, you know, all birth is natural. Like we're all giving birth from our bodies, but right. in terms of um, in terms of medication, if they want like a, a birth that is, you know, unmedicated, they're not getting a lot of pain meds. They're not getting medication to kind of, you know, make the labor go faster. Um, anybody who wants to have that kind of experience needs to do um, a lot of 
preparation. You know, we don't right. just sort of walk into that experience without knowing what's going to happen. So education is really important, making sure that people understand, like, what are the steps that you need to take in order to, there's no guarantees, but in order to make sure that you have the best possible outcomes, um, either at home or in the hospital. Um, you know, preparing for birth is really important. And that's going to be like physical preparation, like making sure that you're body is really healthy, that you're exercising during your pregnancy, that you're eating the right foods, that you're getting enough hydration, that you're resting well, all of those things have a huge impact on um, our ability to give birth without a lot of interventions, right? Mm -hmm. So that's important. And then there's, you know, there's the emotional component, like making sure that you have a lot of support around you, that you um, have a team of people who are going to be there. Like in traditional societies, many generations ago, you know, nobody gave birth by themselves. You know, even right. if they were, you know, even if they went off into the woods to push by themselves, there was a whole village of people waiting for that person to come out of the woods with their baby. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they, everybody was there to help. Um, and, and we need that here too. We need that in our modern society too. Um, it's not okay for just like, even if it's a couple, even if you have your partner with you, that's still not, one person is not going to be your whole village. You need people to be there to help you, you know, in those early days of taking care of a baby. You need people to make sure that you're eating and, you know, people to help you kind of, um, you know, stay on top of things because it can be very overwhelming to have a baby. So, Um, we need to prepare emotionally for having a baby. Um, And then, you know, we also need to kind of have a vision for how we want our births to go, like spend time thinking about like, what's more important to me is, is, um, you know, is it important for me to have this baby in a pool? Like, do I want to do a water birth? Or Mm -hmm. do I want to, you know, do I want to, you know, am I really wanting to push, you know, outside of the bed? Or do I want to, you know, who do I want with me when I'm giving birth? Or, you know, there are so many different questions. And the only way you know, the answer to those questions is, is if you are going through a process of really educating yourself and asking yourself those questions. So, um, I think for anybody who's giving birth, you need preparation. Right. I think in the in the home birth setting, there are specific things that you have to do to prepare for a home birth. Like, you know, you have to have, um, you know, there are birth kits. So you have to have certain um, um, resources at home, um, you know, just like, uh, you know, all the things that you need for a, birth, a home birth. Like, you know, do you get a kit with towels and, um, and you know, other... Um, I'm blanking on the words right now, but yeah, you're just going to have a lot of resources and things that you need to kind of have your whole setup for the birth. You're going to need to have those things prepared. You're going to be talking with your midwife and making sure that you have all the things that you need ready and, you know, ready to go for when you're in labor. Um, So there's that when you're at a hospital, you kind of show up and there's all of those things are already there for you. Um, So you don't have to prepare so much in that way in terms of having um, the tools and everything. But uh, when you're doing a home birth, you kind of need to know, you know, all of the items that need to be present for the birth. Mm -hmm. So we're coming on to our last three questions. So um, the next two will be public. And so um, this girl had asked, um, 
what could we what could women of color do to protect themselves from medical racism yeah that's a that's a really good question um Mm -hmm. and one that is very complicated because um medical racism is it's such um it's such a deep-seated issue yeah it's um an issue that's really at the core of all of these like negative statistics that we're hearing about Mm -hmm. um because you know the truth is that there's nothing that we're doing that would make us at such high risk for these bad outcomes right um we don't do things differently than other women to have things turn out so badly for us you know Mm -hmm. where it's not like we're um eating different foods or doing different things in our pregnancies that other women don't do um and I think that there's been a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of blaming, like, oh, this person had a terrible outcome. It must be because of something that she did. And it's yeah. like, no, it's not, you know, usually it's more, it has more to do with a failure in the healthcare system right. to protect that person. And those are the things that lead to the bad outcomes. So um, in terms of like what we can do um, to confront medical racism, I think it's a hard question because it can't just be what we're doing. It's, it has to be about like, what, what is changing in the system? What are the people who have the power in that system? What are they doing to change it? Um, Because we can do, you know, we can, you know, we can do everything in our power in terms of making sure that we're well educated about the hospitals that we're going into, making sure that we ask a lot of questions. Like when you meet your provider, you know, it's like, it's like interviewing for a job, you know, that's how it should feel. Not you getting interviewed, but you're interviewing that provider. Mm-hmm. You want to meet that person and you want to ask them like, what is your C-section rate? You know, how do you treat your patients during labor? Um, how often are you inducing people? Because induction is something that um, is pretty high on the list of reasons why people end up needing C-section. So. Um, you want to you want to interview that provider the way you know you would interview someone for a job, um, and ask them a lot of tough questions and ask them how you know how many how many clients of color do you have? Are you used mm-hmm. to working with clients of color? How many of them end up having C sections or negative outcomes in their births? Um, and you know I think it's really important to ask those questions. It's not just about you know this person. Yes, this person has a higher degree, they're well-educated, they've been to medical school, they're probably very skilled um, at their job, but what you want to understand is, are you going to treat me mm-hmm. the way I deserve to be treated? Right. Are you going to treat my family the way we deserve to be treated? Are you going to make sure that I am safe mm-hmm. in this experience? Um, and those are, so you, you really do have to um, really talk with your providers and make sure that you're getting a good sense of, you know, how am I going to be treated when I, when I show up in labor? Mm -hmm. Um, But again, like, I think it shouldn't just be on us to address medical racism. You know, it has to be people working within the system that are also working to change the way things work, the way things function in the system. They have to also be doing their part um, because it's really a problem of the institutions. It's not something that, you know, the patients are coming in and doing that are that are mm-hmm. causing the problems. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that basically answered the um, second question that this um, young lady had asked, which was what could be done to lower the maternal mortality rate for women of color and really pinpointing what's going on in the medical system really explains it. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so as my last question, this is just basically out of curiosity. Um, as a woman of color yourself, um, granted that you have no um, complications with um, your pregnancy and during your birth, um, mm-hmm. would you rather experience um, delivery through a hospital or through a midwife at home? Oh, through a home birth. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, and I, I will say from firsthand experience, I've experienced all of those things. I've had a C-section, I've had a hospital, you know, vaginal birth after that C-section, and I've had a home, a home birth. So I would say that, you know, hands down, you know, there's no real competition here. There's no mm-hmm. question that a home birth was far more um, peaceful. It was far more empowering. It was far more like uh, just... It was just a better experience all around. Um, but like like you said, it is about, you know, it is about being ready for that and right. making sure that you're um, in a good enough space in terms of your health and the health of your pregnancy to be able to have a home birth. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, you know, just making sure that you're prepared for that. But yes, I, I loved, you know, having a home birth and I would do it again if I were to have children mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. all right well thank you for coming today i found this all very interesting and it was much new information for me as well um i would like you i would like to thank you for taking time of your out of your day and your schedule to come here and discuss this with me and i really enjoyed it great thank you mm-hmm. have a great day you too you too bye-bye bye-bye